<laughs> My name's Alan. I can tell you what's going on, and I can tell you why I'm the one talking to you. It's not because I'm so bright or so sharp. It's that I am a Christian, like a lot of you, and I know why I'm a Christian. And I've also found out why I'm a Christian in tough times. How many of you guys are going through something tough today? A lot of you. Well, the reason why... Yeah, back there, too. <laughs> um, Gary was ready to, to preach this morning. See, we're starting a brand new lesson series, and the name of it is called Why. How appropriate. Why. That could fit into a lot of different sentences. Why am I a Christian? Why are tough things happening? Why didn't this go the way that I wanted it to go? Why did it not turn out so good? And so Gary was ready to talk. His head was there and his heart was there, but his emotions kind of got the better of him because this last weekend has been kind of tough. He said goodbye to a couple of friends who died. And he also watched his son decide that he didn't want to be a Christian anymore and leave. And his emotions, like mine, get a little thin whenever you think about that. Because it's hard to watch somebody that you love, especially your own child, make a decision to give them the freedom to make what you know is the wrong decision and to make a decision that might get him banged up a little bit. We both know that story isn't over. We both know that God is really good at what he does. I went through a time like that. I went through a time where I didn't quit believing. Jordan hasn't quit believing that Jesus is who he is. He just doesn't want to worship him. He doesn't want him in charge of his life. He wants to take a hand at it himself. Anybody else in here done that? <laughs> yeah, pretty much if you're breathing, you count. Because we've all done that at some point, right? And we all kind of know how that turns out. You know, I got banged up pretty good. It's part of the reason why I refuse not to worship him now. But you know, sometimes we talk about Jeremiah 29, where we study with people. You guys know the verse? Where God's saying, I know I have the plans for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. To give you a hope and a future. And I'll be found by you when you seek me with all your heart. And see, sometimes we interpret that a little funny. See, what we think is, if I seek God the right way, bad things aren't going to happen. I'm going to have a hope. The hope I imagine. I'm going to have a future. The future that I imagine. You know, remember, God said those words through the prophet Jeremiah. He was talking to a group of people who were held in captivity in Babylon. That was not a fun existence. And it also said it, I think, about 70 years before they were going to be freed. It was a long climb from the time God made that prophecy to them about his hopes and his plans. See, I think God was telling us about his hope, his plan. And sometimes his hope and his plan very different than what we would want. And so bad things can happen. Things that we think are bad. Tough things can happen. Job said that man is born for trouble as sure as sparks fly upward. So being human, living in this environment, trouble is going to happen. Some heartbreak is going to hit you. And it's not going to end on this side of heaven. That's the world that we live in. But you know the real difference between us who are in him, us who worship the king and we're members of his kingdom, the difference is hope and joy. You know, we sing a song that says, sorrow lasts for the night, but joy comes in the morning. You know, that's scripture too. See, for us, we can have joy. We can profit from the hard things that we go through. Why? 
because we have a king. We have a king who has the trump card on everything. So we can have peace in the middle of all that goes wrong. We can all these things that we don't understand because we got a God who understands it all. And he's revealed his character to us. He's good, isn't he? We can trust him, can't we? And this, when you're going through hard times, that's why you really have to go back to what you really believe. I mean, it's easy to say I'm a Christian. It's easy to say I believe. But then whenever something bad happens, you can think God's punishing you. You can think maybe God's turned his back on you. Or you can believe maybe that God isn't really real. God is real. And his plans are only good all the time. But how he gets there from where we are, he can see more, he can take into consideration many more variables than any of us ever could. He knows the third, the fourth, and the fiftieth ripple after every rock that's dropped into that lake. And you see, we have this privilege by being in his kingdom where all we really have to do is devote ourselves to one thing. We're, we're commanded not to worry. How do you have a God who can command you not to worry? Why? I mean, here's that, that question. Why does he say not to worry? Because he's in charge. We only have one thing that we have to worry about, and it's, it's, it's the only thing, really, that we can control. We can't prevent bad things from happening as hard as we try. We can drive ourselves crazy trying. But what we can do is we can control our response to Jesus. See, we can live to try and please ourselves. We can live to try to please other people around us, family members, who knows. Or we can live to please Jesus. And according to Matthew 6.33, when we do that, when we put him as our highest priority and we take all those other things and we take them in prayer to God, we, we can't just ignore them. That would be kind of silly, right? That's not reasonable. But when we go in prayer and we take them to God, how many of you guys leave those concerns there and let God handle them and go on about the business of pleasing him? Or how many times would you use it more like, I'm going to take my prayers to God and I'm going to keep them with me and keep bugging him, and, and I'm not going to let him. I want it to go my way. See, there's a difference. Why is there a difference? There's that word again. Why? Because sometimes we lose touch with what we really believe about who Jesus is. Christians are the only ones on the planet who can do this. It's a birthright. You know, there's certain freedoms we have because we're Americans. Most of us in here were probably born in the United States. And we got our citizenship that way. If you're a citizen of the kingdom of God, you were born there too. You had to be reborn into a new life. Understanding that there is a king who has all authority in heaven and earth. And he's revealed what he's like. He's not cruel. He's not capricious. He's not messing with people for fun. He's kind. He's loving. And he always knows what's best. And so we can take joy in that. And we can draw peace, and we can draw comfort for that. One last thought that I have that I would share with you. I was reading a book from a guy a few years ago, and I wish that I could quote this more accurately. But he was talking about Job. And Job, every time that you're going through something hard, someone will tell you, why don't you read Job? That's 42 chapters of misery. And whenever you're feeling bad, it doesn't always feel like it helps to read Job. So here's Hamlin's cliff notes to Job. Go to chapter 42, look for the next to the last paragraph, and read what it says. 
Because what happens there is something that's kind of unique in Scripture. See, it says that Job, at the end of everything that he went through, he was blessed more than he had ever been blessed before. And this really peculiar thing happens here. He lists out the names of the daughters that he had, and he mentions that he also had sons. To my knowledge, that's the only scripture in, Bi- in the Bible where they list the names of the daughters and not the sons. That's sort of weird. So usually with those weird things, you've got to ask, why? Well, sometimes they name people names for a significant or symbolic reason. So I looked up some of the names. Actually, the guy I read looked him up, and I looked up what he looked up and looked like he was right. The first one, I think, was Jemima. And her name means dove. What's the significance of that? Well, in their day, when they went to church, they came packing animals. And the doves were symbolic of worship. They were, they were sacrificed in worship. So something about the meaning of what Job went through was connected to his worship. Something about what was restored and what was so much better, whenever God was done letting him go through the hard stuff, was connected to his worship. The second daughter... I think it was Karen Habak or something like that. I could look it up. But the second daughter. When you look that one up, it looks kind of obscure. It means cinnamon or acacia. It has to do with the wood. And some of the uh, lexicographers say that what it means is it's to peel back the bark. To get cinnamon out of a tree, apparently you've got to peel back the bark. God will not allow us to have that rough exterior hiding what's really going on inside of our lives. He peels back the bark. I know most of us who have been walking with him for a while know that that doesn't always feel good. Sometimes it hurts a lot. But without it, you can't get to the good stuff. And see, Job had his bark pulled back and laid and exposed. And the last daughter, her name has to do with the power of cosmetics. Uh, has to do with being remade. Being refashioned. Kind of like a surgical procedure where something is cleaned up and made better, made stronger. And I think what Job's telling us, what God might be telling us about Job, see, Job started off knowing about God, but at the end he knew God. There's a big difference between knowing about God and knowing God. And most of you that are nodding your heads know what I'm talking about. And you only get to know God by experiencing him. And it isn't all on the mountaintop. Sometimes you've got to go through some of those hard things. Sometimes you've got to choose whether you're going to worship whenever he's peeling back your bark. But you can trust him. And if you stay with him, and if you'll keep your eyes fixed on him, you'll have that joy in the morning. You can have that peace that passes understanding. You can have hope. Because you've got a God that you can trust. And he knows what he's doing in our lives all the time. If it's okay, I'd like to lead us in a prayer, and then we're going to lead in another song or two, uh, just kind of like how we do things here on Sunday morning. We, we take a minute to, uh, to pray and to sing, and uh, we have a, a communication card. You know, today, maybe it's the day whenever you've got something that's weighing you down. Maybe it's time for you to revisit what you really believe about Jesus. Maybe you need some help. Maybe you need more than just some old guy up here on stage talking to you. Maybe you need to put your fingers in a Bible and read it for yourself and spend some time. Maybe you need a little help. You can use that card to tell us how we can help you. If you just want some prayer support, you know, prayer is probably the most powerful weapon that we, that we wield. 
It's where we get to ask the one who has all authority in heaven and earth to take direct action on our behalf. And we have a prayer team that will take your prayer requests and they will pray on your behalf and ask God to help you with the things that concern you. You can use that prayer card to do that. And we'll sing a song while we're passing that around. And then we'll sing another song and we'll pass a basket around to collect those. For those of you that are members here and supporting this ministry, we need you to give generously. And this is just an opportunity. It's not the only opportunity you'll have, but it's a convenient one because we're all together. And we will use that money to keep the lights on, the doors open, and keep things moving forward so that we can minister to people and bring this message of the kingdom of God to the world around us. If you would, bow and pray with me. Heavenly Father, uh, we love you. And uh, Father, there was a guy one time that told Jesus, I believe, help me with my unbelief. It sounds contradictory, but the truth is faith is something that grows. And it grows as we experience you and as we learn how to trust you. And uh, Father, we would ask you just to help us to grow more and to understand your ways really aren't our ways. And you may require us to go through something really terrible, something hard, but that you'll use that to advance your kingdom. Father, we're allegiant to you and our lives are yours to do whatever you want to with. And so we trust you with that. Father, I'm sure there are more hurts here than I'm aware of this morning. More heartache, more disappointment, more questions about why than, than I even could guess at. And Father, I know that you know every one of those hearts. You know every one of those questions. And that you are deeply concerned in trying to bring healing and bring peace into those hearts. Father, I'd, I'd pray for the families of Deanna uh, as they struggle through groping with the reality that she's not in their presence anymore. Comforted by the fact that she's in yours. Father, for Nick's family, as they just went through this tragedy last night, and all the people that knew him and loved him. Father, I pray that you'll help Gary and Susan and uh, their kids as they try to understand why Jordan could walk away from the light and be attracted to the darkness. Help them not to quit loving him or to be angry, but, Father, to, to be like you were with the prodigal son. Father, in all things, we ask us to make us into the image of your son. And through whatever we do, that you'll get glory, that you'll get seen for who you are, because you're really the only answer. You're the ultimate why, is because you're real and you're king. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.